0: Another business hit with a ransomware attack. Issues with cybersecurity have shut down yet another midwife. Data breaches, but the information of millions at risk. Here to give you peace of mind in an industry that moves faster than the speed of light. This is your weekly tech in. This is Patrick Souls, the founder of Soul Tech Solutions, and welcome to the Weekly Tech In Podcast, where we give you peace of mind working with an industry that moves faster than the speed of light. Okay, I'm sure we've all seen them before, the commercials for things like NordVPN or the VPN service attached to Norton or your antivirus. Uh, you've probably seen them advertised in YouTube videos, videos. Uh, VPNs. They're told you're told that they're great for security. They're essential, and you need to use them wherever you go. Is that the case? Well, let's dig into it. So, what is a VPN? Well, VPN first and foremost stands for Virtual Private Network, and it is a way of uh, basically routing traffic as if. You are in a closed off network away from the rest of the world and the internet, kind of like if your home inter- or your home network of all your smart devices didn't talk to the internet at all. Um, kind of the same thing. It's a software version of that and uh, it, it works. you can kind of imagine it like a like a digital tunnel from whatever device is running the VPN to whatever. Uh, destination you have in mind so in most cases for most of us it's going to be the internet or a particular website or something like that Um, and that virtual tunnel is not to keep things in but rather to keep other things out uh, keep other services apps bad people trying to steal your information that sort of thing from reaching into the tunnel and taking all your data while it's in transit and uh, this is great uh, it protects your communication, basically. It's, it, and a lot is communicated when you are uh, using a computer, surfing the Internet. Think about any time you enter a password that's going to travel somewhere and then be uh, uh, authenticated that, yes, this is the correct password. And then it, uh, communication is sent back. Okay, go ahead and log in and access this thing. Um, that's kind of important. Uh, could be sensitive, That that sort of thing. And it also makes accessing uh, business resources off-site possible when normally that wouldn't be. Say there's a server at work and that server has important stuff on it, whether it's apps or files. And if it's not in a cloud, it's only on this server. How are you going to get to that while at home if you're working from home? Well, you VPN to the network at work and you have access to the server because you are now connected to that private network. Is it a necessity though? Well, that's not exactly a easy question to answer, but I'm gonna be bold and say, not really. There's uh there's alternatives, uh especially in uh in a business application. There are alternatives that will probably be better for you. Because the thing is the technology behind VPNs is is pretty old. It's been around for a while and has not been updated. Um the how VPNs are established, the only thing that's really changed is some of the services that do the communication now exist in the cloud but uh how it communicates how it establishes those communications hasn't really changed all that much uh and it's kind of a one trick pony um and as such it can do a whole lot in a rather simple way which sounds great but also means it can be um especially for businesses a big security hole uh how how is it a security hole mostly because to access a VPN all you need is the VPN address, which is already saved uh, to the computer in most cases, a username and a password. So if someone gets that username and that password, they now have access to that uh, business network with all your important sensitive stuff on it from anywhere in the world. Kind of a big deal, kind of a bad thing. You don't want that. So depending on your desired outcome, there's typically something that does it better nowadays. Uh, But... I will say VPNs are great for keeping your data private on public networks. This is for people uh, for personal lives, uh, for your personal devices, as well as traveling employees, not necessarily remote employees, but traveling employees. Um, But for business uses, go with a SASE. We talked about SASE uh, before on this podcast. Uh, it stands for Secure Access Service Edge. It does a lot of the same things that VPNs can can accomplish, but has a load of extra security involved for business assets. So uh, things like a username and password isn't the only thing that you need to access a a sassy service Uh, you also likely need to pass a computer health check which determines if your computer has viruses or apps that aren't allowed on it Uh, as well as the endpoint the agent needs to be installed on the computer in the first place and you can't just get that Um, it does need to be set up by your IT department so really it's like you can kind of think of it as a more advanced VPN with better security Uh, and then it it allows for uh, some better and easier communication for things like uh, on on-premises applications and that sort of thing. So, typically for business use and the uh, situations where you'd be using a VPN, go with a SaaS instead. For personal use, if you are traveling, VPNs are a good idea and there are several paid options unfortunately anything that says it's free is not going to be good for you because it's not going to be encrypted and that's kind of the point of a VPN is to protect your data so it won't put it in that tunnel it'll just be the thing that manages the communication um, so it's like uh, it's not a tunnel it's a road that someone else owns <laughs> and that's, so that's not exactly secure it's not exactly a good thing for you so go, plenty of paid options um, I personally uh, on my Apple devices. I have iCloud Plus, which comes with private relay built in, so I'm still paying for it. I'm making that clear it's not a free service, Um, but it acts as a VPN for all of my Apple devices. Um, NordVPN has a good reputation. There's a few others. Typically, uh, your antivirus, like Norton, McAfee, or Bitdefender will have VPN services as well that you can purchase. Um, If you don't want to pay for it, but you don't want, you want the security, uh, that you're not going to get out of a free service, there are DIY options as well. You can create your own VPN server at home, usually based off of uh, your router. It's going to be a little bit of a higher end router, not the cheap one that you got just so you have basic Wi-Fi at home. Um, but those are uh, things you can explore uh, on when you're researching your router. But a uh, DIY can work as well and get you the same kind of security. Uh, and essentially it's kind of cool to think about what you're doing in that situation is then your computer while you're traveling is connecting directly to your network at home and then connecting to the internet from there. And that's pretty neat. But, uh, but yeah, so are VPNs necessary? No, they can be still be a good tool usually while traveling and connected to public networks. So. Okay. We've all been there. We all hate it. You've been selected to give the next presentation at work and you have to build a PowerPoint or a slideshow or what have you and stand in front of people and talk to them. Unless you're one of those weird people who really enjoys this. I'm talking to you. I'm looking at you. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So most of us, no, we don't, we don't really enjoy this. Uh, we don't enjoy sitting through boring presentations either. But we've got some tech tricks to impress during presentations so that your people aren't bored and you are known as the person who gives boss presentations. All right. I almost said a bad word there, and we haven't established this as a not safe for work podcast. So, uh, <laughs> Okay, so first and foremost, wow, everyone by not standing at the computer. But Patrick, how do I do that? I need to run the PowerPoint. Oh, I can just ask my assistant. Joke's on you. Most of us don't have an assistant. Um, No, don't ask anyone to run the PowerPoint for you. Instead, if you are using Canva, Keynote, or Google Slides, also have the app downloaded on your phone. If you are using PowerPoint, download the Office Remote app. And when it's time for the presentation, start the presentation on the computer, and then open the related app on your phone. In all of these cases, there is an option to then control the entire presentation from your phone. And I know in the cases of Canva, Keynote, and I'm pretty sure Slides as well. I haven't used Office Remote, I'll be honest. Um, but in Canva, Keynote, and Slides, you can actually add your presenter's notes um, to the to the remote. Well, they it, it shows you your presenter's notes to it in the remote so uh, you actually don't have to look at the computer at all you don't have to look at the slides at all you can wow everyone by knowing exactly what's on the screen without ever having to look at it and uh, control it subtly from a a distance uh, without having to reset yourself and get back to the computer and look at what button you're about to press or whatever Uh, and uh, yeah just this step alone can instantly elevate your entire presentation process Um, on that note (laughs) haha use presenter notes uh, please, please use presenter notes. Don't wing it. I, this is less of a tech tip and more of a just general advice. Don't don't wing it. If you wing it, everyone in the room can see you flapping. And that is just embarrassing. So use presenter notes, but also don't read your presenter notes. Look at them and then speak to people. That way it comes across as genuine and authentic. And uh, people don't feel like they're being read to because everyone hates that. Which... Moves on to the next tip. Don't read off the slides either. Don't even look at the presentation if you can help it. I'm guilty of that. I still look at it to make sure it's exactly what I expected to be on the screen. Um, but if you've got it open in your uh, your phone, in your uh, remote, whatever app you're using, you know it's the right slide. You don't have to double check. The, trust the technology, okay? It's going to work for you. Okay, back to te- tech tips. Um, animations. Too many animations. Looks like amateur hour. It looks like you were a a school child who had just had fun playing with the the cool tech toy. But if you don't have any animations at all, it's boring. There's, um, a, a, a particular sort of nuance you can achieve by adding some animations that aren't overt to make everything seem more interesting without getting into like little kid having fun kinds of, uh, too much. um, So my advice is to use dissolve, blur, or fade transitions between every slide. Those are all kind of the same effect. It really depends on what app you're using. But it just adds a gentle transition rather than a a harsh cut between uh, slides. And then if you have any recurring elements in your slides, this is where you want to use animations. And uh, so what you're going to do is um, after you've built out your presentation, look for those recurring elements and in your animations, move that element to the position where it will be in the next slide and make sure that's the last thing that happens before the transition. Then it's gonna look like things are moving organically and naturally and you're not gonna see any weird like some things overlapping other things and looking kind of weird or unlegible. Uh, It's it's gonna look so professional, people are gonna be amazed. While you're at it and designing your presentation, stay away from clip art. Don't use sound effects. Stay away from both of those. They were cool when we were in grade school. They're not cool anymore. And uh, there are royalty-free stock images you can use. uh, Or you can pay for stock images as well. I I advocate for this if you're uh, serious about any marketing that you're doing. Um, A few resources I personally use for stock images. Pexels. That's mostly Pexels. I use Pexels a lot. I can't even remember the other one I used to use. Uh, but you can you can Google search free stock uh, or royalty free stock images, and you'll you'll find a few uh, websites for paid ones. Adobe Stock is great. Shutter stock is also good. Um, those are fine. Stay away from clip art. I'm sorry. Just don't. <laughs> uh, but also, while you're at it, make sure all of your fonts uh, match. You're not going between 36 different fonts. Uh, Don't use Comic Sans, please. Don't use Chiller. Don't. Just don't. Keep it something simple. Probably sans serif. That means it doesn't have those fancy little edges that uh, Times New Roman has. Um, And uh, just trust that you don't need to add too much. Um, Just add enough in your animations, your transitions, and good-looking stock images uh, as well as any important graphs that are that might be important to the uh, presentation. And uh, people are going to think you're, you're uh, absolutely amazing at, at building presentations, and they're going to be asking you to do it all the time. I guess maybe don't follow my advice if you don't want to do it all the time. <laughs> uh, last but not least, know how your computer uh, will connect to the, to the display or projector or whatever it is beforehand so that you're not stuck going, oh, I don't have the adapter that I need because my computer doesn't have HDMI ports or something like that. And show up early, set up early, and run through your slides just to be sure that everything goes as planned. Uh, And, yeah, do all this, and people are going to think you are a wizard and you uh, can join the club, the wizard club, the tech wizard club. Welcome to the club. (laughs) The greatest horror story on the internet actually has nothing to do with Ghosts or Slenderman or the subreddit r slash sleep, But it is, in fact, the story of ransomware. I'm sure you've heard it before. I'm sure you hear all the warnings of uh, ransomware and how to avoid it and the dangers it can cause. Um, But I have found that a lot of people... Know it's a bad thing, but they don't know why. They don't even know what it is. I say count your lucky stars if that is the case, because you have not experienced it. But it's good to be informed. So we're going to tear into it. What is ransomware? So ransomware is uh, typically a virus, usually automated. So it's not really some. It's not like a hacker accessing your computer and then doing these things. It's a. It's a file that gets downloaded or moved or migrated or something like that. Uh, and it goes through your entire computer. If you're attached to a network, it might leap the network from one device to another and go through that computer as well. If you're at work, it might go from there to a server. Uh, And as it moves, it finds every single file, every single file, and it locks it down so that it cannot be opened, accessed, moved, or copied usually after this happens a ransom note is left Uh, i've seen anywhere from a notepad documents being left on the desktop to the uh, desktop wallpaper being changed to the note itself and uh, this note is going to say you've been hit or something along those lines your files are being held for ransom it'll have an address to a crypto wallet That is something that holds things like Bitcoin. I'm sure you've heard of that, at least in the news lately. Uh, And it will request a large sum of money be sent to that wallet to unlock your (laughs) files. Unlock your files. Excuse me. Uh, Many times, you could send this money and then never hear from the hacker again, and you still don't get access to your files. So this is bad news for people, for families, uh, for... Uh, computers that have family photos on it and that sort of thing. This is absolutely devastating for businesses. Most small and medium sized businesses go out of business and close their doors within within six months of uh, an a ransomware attack. Uh, cost of recovery if you don't close your doors is usually in the sum of millions. Uh, and I am not kidding. Um, they're paying the specialists to get everything back on track and operating as it should. Uh, a lot of times this will involve replacing hardware because the old hardware has been completely locked down and you can't do anything with it. And also, you don't want to risk that bit of ransomware, whatever file it was that caused all of this to happen in the first place, getting into your new computers, your new hardware. Um, so, yeah, you have to replace it entirely. Um You also have to pay your employees for the time that they are not working because there's no computers for them to use and no data for them to access. Uh, And they could be starting from scratch on a lot of projects. As you can see, this adds up very, very quickly. Uh, So your total cost of remediation easily in the millions, uh, if not tens of millions. So what you want to focus on is prevention over remediation, how can you prevent ransomware from happening first and foremost you need something a little bit better than typical antivirus uh, i think we've talked about on this on the podcast before but if not i'll do the quick uh the quick and dirty version antivirus checks files for what's called signatures and compares those to a database and so the uh the problem with this is if a particular virus or Ransomware payload is not in this database. Antivirus thinks it's a good file and lets it do its thing. Uh, So uh, typically you'll see it deployed in business environments. And what I do for all of my clients, um, we deploy endpoint detection response. It analyzes behavior rather than just checking for signatures. Uh, And if anything acts suspiciously, it puts a stop to it before it can... um, go on causing destruction. So EDR or endpoint detection response, first thing. Second thing, application whitelisting. Uh, it's probably one of the more severe forms of security uh, because it can, it can really dampen um, functionality and workflow because uh, basically what it is is uh, think of um, if you could write down each application you use every day Put it in a list. Put that list on your computer or whatever security system is operating on your computer. Then that computer, the security system knows only these applications run. Anything else at all, shut it down. Well, you can see how that could be a problem if uh, something gets updated and it doesn't match that list anymore, or you need a new uh, program or something to open this PDF file. You didn't forgot you had didn't have a. PDF reader, you go to download it. Sorry, you have to call your IT department really slows things down, but flip side of that, literally nothing, but what is permissed can run. Yes. Permissed is a word. Don't look at me like that. I'm looking at my producer. (laughs) Um, So literally only the things on this list, this white list as it's called uh, can run. Uh, So it's, it is very good for security. Uh, Also, we, we talked about a little bit earlier, SASE. Um, For remote workers, this is very, very important because that's going to have device health checks in place so that if they have ransomware on their computer, they're not going to connect to the office network and then spread that ransomware to all of the other computers in the office. So very, very important. There's also a protocol called ZTNA or Zero Trust Network Access, and this is kind of the same thing, but for all other devices as well, not just those operating remotely. Just uh, trust nothing at first and then uh, authenticate each and every device or account. Uh, Make sure it's healthy. Make sure it's not been... Uh, hijacked uh, and make sure it passes all these different checks and then allow those to connect to the network. Again, it can lock things down, but if it's set up well, it's one of the best security solutions out there. Uh, And then on top of all of that, something like 70% of all cybersecurity threats happen or start with uh, human error. So just make sure employees are trained on safe browsing practices and how to detect a phishing email and all that good kind of stuff that we've talked about before to make sure they're not accidentally downloading ransomware because that would suck but layered security works great something might slip through anyway even if it's a 0.001% chance you want to make sure in that 0.001% chance you're still not going out of business so we call it business continuity and disaster response. It is a whole plan, uh, documented plan that you use that uh, is how you respond to any sort of disaster, not just ransomware. So this is very helpful for your business. The key points to this are regular automatic backups. Make sure they're automatic because if someone is responsible for doing the backup, they're inevitably going to forget one day. Also you want your backups automatically off-site for safety. If you back up to a local server and your building catches on fire, where's your data? So make sure it is on uh, another device outside of the office. Usually in this day and age, it means in a cloud somewhere. Uh, And then document the entire process for how to respond to threats or disaster. I've heard time and time again, When something happens, the person in charge just couldn't think straight and couldn't answer any questions. They weren't sure what to do. In these situations, time is money. Uh, And thankfully, when it comes to uh, digital protection, you're not worried about the building burning down but (laughs) uh, you still need to respond quickly and having it all documented so no one has to think they just have to do uh, is really the best way to uh, make sure you maneuver correctly and uh, don't lose a bunch of money in the process and uh, keep your business uh, afloat if you are worried about ransomware uh, for your personal computers make sure you're staying up to date with your antivirus uh, make sure you're not using free antivirus and back up the important stuff like your family photos and tax documents or, or whatever you have that you feel like you could not lose. Uh, think about what might be missing tomorrow that would uh, cause you a significant emotion response if it were missing and make sure that's backed up somewhere on top of uh on top of good antivirus next week we'll talk about the upcoming Cybersecurity awareness month taking place in october how collaboration software can multiply your staff productivity and is microsoft really already working on windows 12 if you have any questions about what you heard in today's episode or you have questions about what you'd like answered in a future episode please feel free to reach out by emailing questions at soltech.solutions and until then thank you for listening And don't be embarrassed, your IT person has seen much worse. This is Patrick, logging out.